And then there was only one week left before Christmas. Yeah, days are growing close to the celebration of the, of the birth of Christ. Glad you're here for this fourth Sunday of uh, Advent as we come for this time of worship. And if you're a guest here today, we're glad to have you here. And we do hope you'll be back to worship with us on many future occasions. Next Sunday morning, we, even though it's Christmas, we will be here. In fact, we'll be here in this place at 10 o'clock next Sunday. We figure those of you with small children will wake you up at about 4 o'clock in the morning. You'll be ready for church and need it by about 10 o'clock. <clears throat> and 10 o'clock is still early enough that you can um, make it to Christmas dinner plans and whatever. Of course, the night before that, we'll be here for the candlelight Christmas Eve service. There's a... a time where you can come at five if you can't be here for that for that worship service and uh, we will have just a time of, of uh, drop-in communion for those of you that can't stay for the six o'clock service um, so we'll have uh, that opportunity for you as well um, if you're interested in leading an adult bible study once we resume in january um, would you please let cindy davis or katie jeter know Charles Hendricks is now a patient at Rosecrest uh, Rehab Center in Inman. Uh, after his time in the hospital, we ask your continued prayers for his recovery. Uh, you see in the bulletin something of Marilyn Haas's um, daughter Kim's very unexpected death. I hope that you will be in touch with Marilyn in the days to come. Um, this morning, you will be free to take your poinsettias but that poses a bit of a problem of getting to them. So what we've worked out, uh, these folks that are our handbell ringers are also going to turn into poinsettia distributors. <clears throat> so at the end of the service, they're going to put some poinsettias right here at the front and, and meet you there so you don't have to worry about walking all up th this way if you're coming to get one of these. So we remind you of that. We also remind you of our administrative board meeting this morning immediately following this worship service. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From hence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We light this candle as a symbol of the Prince of Peace. May the visitation of your Holy Spirit, O God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope and joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel. This time we invite the children to come down the side aisles. You can get here easier that way and join Alice and Duncan for a few moments of sharing right up here. Good morning. Got a great group this morning. Well, this time next week, what are we going to be celebrating? Christmas. And whose birthday is on Christmas? Jesus. And why do we open presents and things like that? Anybody know? Yes. Yes. Jesus was the, the greatest gift that God could ever give us. And that's why we open gifts and things like that on Christmas. But I was thinking about um, Jesus and the gift that God gave us. And Jesus was a baby. He was born um, the same way you and I were, except he was, it was, he was a miracle. And in February, my husband and I are expecting our first baby. And we've been busy getting ready stuff ready for the nursery and things like that. And while we've been getting ready, my mom gave me a book that someone gave her for me when I was a baby. And I started looking through. It was one of my favorite books when I was little, little, and I loved all the pictures. Who is this? Mary, okay? And when I started looking at Mary's picture, I started to think about what a wonderful mother she is, and we're all thankful for our mothers. And she had a little bit different situation when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, 
you're going to have a son and he's going to be the greatest king ever. I'm sure that was probably a little overwhelming. What do you guys think? Yes. But she nurtured Jesus. She followed God. She was very devoted to God. She nurtured Jesus while he was growing up and continued to support him when he did, you know, he performed miracles and um, ministered to people. And she was there when he died on the cross. And then she also, I have it marked again. I love this book because it's got all these great pictures in it. She was also there when um, he showed up at the tomb again. Okay. So she was very supportive. And, and it made me think about how special our mothers are to us and how thankful we can be for them because they nurture us as we grow up too. And that's something that we can be thankful for because she was very devoted to Jesus. And so this Christmas, when we're thinking about, you know, the true meaning of Christmas, I think we should stop and think about all the people that played a role in Jesus's life. And one of the most important people was Mary, his mother. So we can be grateful to God for that. And we can thank God for um, giving us Jesus and for Mary and her devotion to him. So if you guys will bow your heads and pray with me. Dear God, thank you so much for sending us the greatest gift, your son Jesus. We thank you so much for his mother Mary and her devotion to you. We also thank you for our mothers who nurture us and keep us ever mindful of the true gift of Christmas as we celebrate your son's birthday. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when Margie was handing out M&Ms, I made a wise crack about Ralph going and begging for some M&Ms. And then afterwards, I find out that he was begging for a bag of M&Ms for another little child who was, had been left out. Boy, did I feel bad. But you know, Ralph, I, I, what was I supposed to expect? You know, it was for him, but he was do, actually doing something nice for once. Thank you, Ralph. Here now our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. You've already heard these words, but they're beautiful poetic words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is on page 199. It is the Canticle of Mary invite you to stand as you're able as we join together in this passage of scripture responsively. 
My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. From this day all generations shall call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is the name of the Lord, whose mercy is on those who fear God from generation to generation. The arm of the Lord is strong and has scattered the proud in their conceit. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. God has come to the aid of Israel, the chosen servant, remembering the promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and his Our epistle lesson is from Romans 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known, through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Here in Celeste.
Let us join our hearts together for a time in prayer. Every year, Lord, we enjoy anticipating and decorating and celebrating the birth of Jesus. It fills us all with such joy as we remember your love for us. We remember that from the very first moment of creation, you had in mind sending Jesus to your children. The Bible tells us this that there never was a time when you didn't have the plan to send your son to be with us. And we're grateful for this. We're so thankful that through him we have found life, life worth calling life. We're thankful for the abundance that we experience, maybe not in material things always, but we are so rich. We are surrounded by people of like minds, families who form a family with us, and we're grateful for this. We're thankful that in all of life, we never have to be alone, that you send brothers and sisters in Christ to journey through life with us. There never is a time when we have something good to share that we can't find somebody to laugh with us and celebrate with us. And there never is a time in life when we need to cry that we can't find people willing to hold our hands and cry with us and to love us. Thank you for that abundant life that we find in Christ Jesus who has called us to be a part of his body, the church. We're mindful, Lord, that we live in a world that still does not know who Jesus is. We're reminded in scripture that he came to his own, but his own did not know him or receive him. That still is the case today, Lord. But we still ask your help that in little ways we might be able to share with our neighbors and friends here and everywhere the good news that he has come to his own and to his, as many of us who will receive him. To us he gives the power to be children of God and how grateful we are for this. Thank you, Lord, that through Jesus we see an example of what life is supposed to look like as we care for one another, as we lose our selfish ambition and give ourselves in humble service to others. And we're thankful that Jesus has done all that is necessary to win for us eternal life forever in your heavenly realm and your house. Indeed, Lord, we come to celebrate this day, the gift of Jesus to us.
And we pray, Lord, that we might be reminded day by day that you love us and have given yourself for us, that we might give ourselves to you and for others. These things we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Be seated. <clears throat> Let me express on behalf of you and the congregation my appreciation to the handbell folks and the choir folks and praise band and all those that have been working so very diligently on music for the season and um, we have certainly been blessed because a lot of people give a lot of time uh, to, to make sure that you have a meaningful worship experience. They probably get as much out of it as anybody though. I think the more you give, the more you get, which is a secret. If you want to get more, you got to give more. Uh, but, but nevertheless, I want to say a word of thanks to them and to Jessica and um, to the, uh, what, what would we nickname her? Anyway, to Ann. <laughs> There's a sign back there, the mad musician, Ann. But uh, anyway, for, for all the hard work that you all have been doing, and, and uh, thank you all very, very much. Hear now the word of the Lord, the gospel lesson from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Here ends the lesson. An art teacher was asking her kindergarten class to draw a picture based on what they saw in their minds as they heard the words of the Christmas carol, Silent Night. The children first drew a picture of a calm, bright, starry night. All of them also included a picture of a manger with the baby Jesus and the mother of Jesus at his side. But little Johnny's picture was different. You all know little Johnny. The baby Jesus was there, of course, but in addition to Mary kneeling beside the manger, Johnny had drawn a very fat Santa Claus there. The teacher said, Johnny, where in the words of Silent Night did you hear that Santa Claus was there? And Johnny replied, you said something about a round yon virgin, and Santa is that very round person in yon picture that I'm drawing. You can learn a lot from children. Not all of it is 100% accurate, but you can still learn. 
Today's lesson takes us to the story of Jesus' mother, Mary. A young woman promised to be married to a carpenter named Joseph. Now, in those days, that marital pledge was as binding as a signed marriage license is in our day. If the husband-to-be died before the actual wedding, the bride-to-be would be considered a widow and do what all widows were due. If the couple called off their wedding, they were required to go through a legal process, very much like our process of divorce today, even though they were only pledged to be married. It was in this in-between time, between the promise and the actual wedding, that Mary's plans were interrupted by an angelic messenger named Gabriel sent from God. Now there's some things by way of background in this story that I want to call your attention to. First of all, I want you to notice who wrote these words. It was a doctor named Luke, a Gentile convert to Christianity, a well-educated man for his day, especially in science and medicine. It's therefore a bit surprising, or at least we think, to hear stories of angels and miracles and a virgin birth written by this man of medicine and science. I think that it's important for us to remember who the author of the book of Luke is, or was, when we read this story about the birth of Jesus. This doctor knew well how babies come into existence in our world. And he was a Gentile and therefore not bound by any Hebrew expectations about the Messiah. And yet his gospel is one of the two that tell us about angels and Jesus' miraculous birth. That has got to mean something. We need to think about that. There are two stories about the angel Gabriel in the first chapter of Luke. Gabriel's first visit was to an elderly priest named Zechariah, promising him that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son that they should name John. The second visit was to Mary. And there there is some similarity between uh, these two visitations. Both Zechariah and Mary are troubled and frightened by the angel's visit. And both of them ask for further clarification. The difference is that Mary's question came from her heart of faith. She just needed to have a few more details. But Zechariah's question came from the posture of doubt and even from some sense of ridicule. It sounds like he's ridiculing the angel when he says, how can I know that you're telling me the truth? The message, the message translation of the Bible has Zechariah, Zechariah asking his question this way. Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. Mary's faith-filled question was met with respect and an answer that she needed. Zechariah's doubt-filled question was met with a rather stern response. Gabriel said, well, since you doubt me, you won't be able to say anything 
faith or doubt, you'll say nothing again until what I have told you comes true. Mary shows that her question was coming from her faith and not from doubt when she concluded her conversation with the angel by saying, I am a servant of God. Let it be as you have said. Now I take all this to mean that questions coming from our faith are always welcomed by God and his messengers. But questions coming from doubt or cynicism might not be as well received. I think it's very interesting to see what it is that unsettled Mary. The angel Gabriel appeared to her suddenly, but that's not what troubled her. Now I guarantee you if an angel appeared suddenly to me, just his appearance would be enough to give me cardiac arrest. Is there a doctor in the house? You've heard the old story about the little boy who woke up during the night and called to his parents, Mama, Daddy, come here, I'm scared. His tired mother replied, Son, there's nothing to be afraid of in our house. Besides, your guardian angel is there with you. The little boy was quiet for a moment and then he said, Hey, angel, if you're somewhere in this room right now, don't move, you'll scare me to death. I can relate to that child. But you and I have some strange ideas about angels anyway. Who says that they have to be all shiny and bright with wings on their backs? Did you know that most of the time in the Bible, when it speaks of angels being present, folks don't recognize that they're angels. They think they're people. And it's only later that they reflect on what they've seen and realize that was really different. That was really something besides a normal human being. The writer of Hebrews said that you and I should show hospitality to strangers that come to us because sometimes in so doing, we have unknowingly entertained angels. Have you ever seen an angel dressed as a hobo or a homeless person? The concept of angels is that they are messengers who have been dispatched or sent to us by God so there really may have been nothing all that extraordinary about Gabriel's appearance. He may have just looked like a human being. At least Luke tells us that it wasn't his looks that upset Mary. It was what he said. His greeting, his perplexing salutation. Here again what Luke wrote. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Sometimes when God sends us a messenger, either a human or an angel, it isn't so much their appearance that troubles us, it's the message itself that, can, that sends a cold chill up and down our spines. Now we preachers always hate to get a phone call from the district office early in April. Most of the time that means pack your bags. Last year my phone rang around April Fool's Day and it was the district superintendent. And I said, oh, my goodness. He said, it's not what you think. Don't pack your bags. I just need to ask you about something. Sometimes just the question or the, or the anticipation uh, causes us fear. Mary was troubled by the message, not the messenger. Listen to the message again. 
Greetings. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, while she may have considered it a real compliment to be told that she had favor with the Lord and that the Lord was with her, she still had to wonder at what this meant exactly. Because those that God favors, he usually calls into action outside of their comfort zone. I'm reminded of Tevye in that great musical Fiddler on the Roof who wondered why Jewish people had suffered so much in this world and his friend reminded him, it is because we're God's chosen people. And Tevye looks up toward heaven and says to God, choose somebody else. Perhaps Mary was aware of that. Like Tevye, Mary had to wonder what this greeting meant. And she knew it meant more than simply, hey, God's your friend. God likes you. She knew that there was something in this that was a call by God to some action, to some task. And anyone would be perplexed by that kind of greeting. Now, I hope I'm not putting too much humanity into an angel. But I am told in Scripture, or we are told in Scripture, that the angels rejoice and have a party every time a person on earth repents. So they must have some emotions to them. I can just imagine that Gabriel in all of heaven was excited that at long last God was fulfilling the promise that he had made them before the creation of the world that he was going to send his son to our world to save us. And now at long last was that time. Perhaps in Gabriel's greeting, we hear a bit of excitement in his voice as he says to Mary, Oh, so you're the one God has chosen for the special honor of being the mother of the Messiah. She was being highly regarded and favored by God. The Lord indeed was with her. It is at this point in the story that Mary asked for more details. Just exactly what was to be the timing of this event, she wondered. The formal time of marriage was still some time in the future, and her question to the angel seemed to be asking the timing of this birth. Would this be something that happened before the wedding or after the wedding? I'm not married yet, she says. The angel explains that this is precisely why he had visited her at this time to tell her that this would happen before her marriage so that the child would be called God's son, the son of God for good reasons. Mary understood. Let it be with me according to your word, she said, for I am only a servant of God. Apparently there was no debate between Mary and the angel. She did not protest God's call like Moses had done. She didn't try to hide behind the shield of unworthiness like Isaiah had done. Her response was an immediate and unhesitating yes, because that's what a servant answers when asked something. A servant responds immediately. One of the things that the Gospels tell us is that Jesus never hesitated in obeying God. His response to God was always immediate and unhesitating because Jesus saw himself as God's servant.
I'm sure that his mother set this example for him every day in her humble walk with God. Because Mary was full of faith and grace, she did not ask for any proof or sign like Zechariah had done. But Gabriel gave her a sign nevertheless. One of Mary's elderly cousins who lived up in the hills was in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Everybody in that village and also family members like Mary thought Elizabeth and her husband would never have any children. Without telling Mary how the lives of Elizabeth's son and her son would intertwine three decades later, Gabriel just called attention to Elizabeth's baby as a sign that nothing is impossible with God, not even the manner of Jesus' conception. Now one thing I've noticed about expectant mothers is they love to get together with one another to compare notes, to share the joy of bringing new life into the world. I think it was this, perhaps, and also her excitement to have someone to share the news with that caused Mary to leave Nazareth to journey to the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah. There was probably no one else on earth that she could talk with right then who would have understood what was going on. And you know, there's nothing more special than feeling the baby's movement within the womb. And Mary's arrival, no, it was the presence of the baby Jesus in Mary's womb that caused the most active movement of the baby in Elizabeth's, in Elizabeth's womb. It was as if her baby was jumping for joy within her, causing Elizabeth to speak these words of prophecy. You're so blessed among all women, and your child is certainly blessed. You're blessed because you've believed that what the Lord has said to you will be accomplished. At first, Mary was troubled, not by the angel's appearance, but by his perplexing salutation. She knew that there was more to his simple message than God loves you. But Mary's faith and dedication was such that it called her to give an immediate yes response to God's message. From the very beginning, God had been at work planning every step of Jesus' coming to us. Indeed, from the very beginning of all creation, God had ordained that it would be through Jesus Christ that you and I would find our way back home to God. Amen.